Holly Knoll, host of the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. If you've always wanted to start a business and don't know where or how to start, you've come to the right place. After leaving an unfulfilling corporate career, I decided it was time to start a business of my own. Today, I'm a business coach and creator of The Consultant Code, where I help people start services-based businesses in 60 days or less. So grab your latte because you're about to be inspired, armed with knowledge, and given simple tools to start a business of your own from my interviews with Everyday Entrepreneurs. Welcome back to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast, Season 2, where we're focused on women in tech. Today on the podcast, I have a dear friend of mine, Catherine Keller St. Clair. Catherine is the product marketing leader with more than 20 years of experience in the tech industry. Currently, she leads product marketing at Hims and Hers, which is a telehealth platform that provides access and treatment for mental health, sexual health, anti-aging, and more. Previously, Catherine built and led product marketing teams at Afterpay, Yelp, and Trulia. Catherine has deep expertise on marketplace dynamics and is known for building collaborative, high-impact teams. Catherine is a graduate of the University of Michigan and Emory University and currently lives just outside of San Francisco with her husband, two children, and adorable senior rescue dog. Welcome, Catherine, to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. Well, hello, Catherine. Welcome to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy, busy life and schedule to be here on the show and to talk about women being a woman in tech and sharing your experience. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, Holly. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yes. Well, just to back up a little bit, I was thinking like, when was the first time I met you? And I think it was close to like 10 years ago. Yeah. I think nine, it's 10. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. I know it feels like yesterday in some ways, but I, I'm goes by really fast these days. Oh my gosh. And if you think of just all the life changes that can happen in a period of 10 years, like you've gotten married, you've had two kids, you've moved houses, like three times since three I've known times. you. Yeah. Yeah. And just the the amount of change that can happen and, you know, where you've taken your career, which I'm very excited to jump into and just hear more about. So why don't you share a little bit about, you know, your career, what you do, kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Give us some highlights. Yeah, sure. So first of all, hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to, to chat about this stuff. So I have been working in tech for over 20 years. I got out of college. I graduated from college in 1999. So it was like the first dot-com, you know, swirl and craziness. And I moved out to California. I worked for Intel on kind of the supply chain and, and sales account management side. I was working for on an accounting for Compaq, which doesn't even exist anymore. It got acquired by Hewlett Packard, but it was kind of, I saw both the, the boom and then the bust. And then after a few years, I and went away from California briefly to Atlanta for a couple of years for business school. And after earning my MBA, I did what most people who still don't know what they want to do when they grow up do, which is go into management consulting. And I worked for Deloitte Consulting out of the San Francisco office. And so kind of got pulled into tech again, obviously being in San Francisco, worked for a lot of big, our clients were big tech companies. So I'm not the startups, the, the, the kind of little guys, but 
the big, again, the Hewlett Packards and Applied Materials and Cisco and Microsoft and all of those kind of big guys worked on a variety of, of projects there for a few years and learned a ton in that kind of four year or so period that I was there, but it was a hard lifestyle. And I knew that long-term that wouldn't really balance kind of work life for me. And I really wanted to see projects through. I think that's one of the challenges with management consulting is you kind of come in, you've got this glimpse of, you know, a client's business, you make a recommendation and you don't always know what happens after that. And so I wanted to get a little bit more into the operations and actually kind of execute these recommendations, that strategic recommendations that I was coming up with. So left and work actually joined Yahoo. Um, so Yahoo was still quite relevant and, and pretty, you know, still a strong brand name at that time. It was starting to have some challenges, but it was, it was a great company to work for in the sense that it was, while I had been working in big tech, Yahoo was obviously much more kind of like, you know, online world that I hadn't had as much exposure to and learned about things, you know, met, you know, unique visitors and, you know, a lot of the, the language and the terms that, you know, I hadn't heard before. And while I was there, I had started working with the product marketing teams. And I thought what they were doing was really interesting. And, you know, kind of this idea of like sitting at the intersection between product and marketing and sales and kind of on that, the, the front lines really and bringing products to market. I found that really interesting and really exciting and, you know, very strategic and just very forward looking too. And it seemed to kind of align well with what I had done in management consulting. So I was very fortunate because there was a, a man who I'd been working with and he had an opening on his team and I expressed an interest in that. And I had, I knew very little about online at that point. I knew even less about marketing, but I'll be forever grateful to Mike because he took a chance on me. He knew that I was motivated, hardworking, curious, you know, smart. And he took a chance on me and he, and he filled this open product marketing role with a person who knew nothing. And he taught me a tremendous amount. Like I said, I'll always be grateful for him. And he kind of taught me the basics of product marketing. and. I enjoyed it very much and I continue to enjoy it. And it's what I love doing. I've been working in product marketing now for you know, probably 15 years or so. And since Yahoo, most of my experience has been working for two-sided marketplace companies, which is another thing that I just find fascinating is that kind of balance between these supply and demand aspects. And from a product marketing perspective, thinking about two very distinct audiences, but how they are intertwined and complementary and when you need to dial up versus the other, you know, maybe dialing down the other side. I think it's a really interesting intellectual challenge. And so I've had the opportunity to work for great brands like Yelp and Trulia um, and then smaller ones, Style Seat, which is a beauty booking appointment. And then more recently, I have been leading the product marketing team at Afterpay. And that's where I continue to be. I'm the head of product marketing at Afterpay, which if you're not familiar with Afterpay, it's a buy now, pay later, you know, payment option, which allows you to purchase a hundred dollar dress today and pay. You pay $25 today and you pay the remainder over the next six weeks and there's no interest. And it's really kind of sprung up in popularity when I joined the company in 2019. I think less than, you know, 
three or 4% of U.S. consumers were familiar with what buy now, pay later was. And I think the latest stat I saw was like 45% of consumers have tried buy now, pay later at some point. So just have the opportunity to grow a product marketing team from the ground up while also helping to establish a brand new category for U.S. consumers. So it's been really you know, a career highlight to be at Afterpay. It's been fantastic and have learned a ton, have seen a lot. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of like a, a quick overview of my experience and kind of what I'm doing. You know, I'm a product marketer at heart. That's what I love doing. And, you know, we'll probably continue doing in the future as well. Thank you. I love it. it it's funny because I was starting out the podcast just how long I've known you. And I forgot to mention we're, we have, we're part of a similar girls group and a friend group in yeah. San Francisco. So we actually have never worked together and just hearing your career path. And, you know, I, I knew you were at these companies and I knew you while you were at a lot of these companies, but it's always really fun to have these conversations with my friends to hear more about their careers because when we're going out or doing something or an event, we're not talking about our career right. paths necessarily. So yeah, thank you. I learned a lot. I, there's, there's two points that stood out to me that you mentioned that to me seemed like they were pivotal, pivotal points in your career. And feel free to you know disagree or you know add more color. But it seems to me that when you went from undergrad right, you know, at the tech bubble, the first tech boom, and you went into your first technology job at, at Intel. Did you go to college for technology or how did you fall into the tech space at that time? And, and what was that like? No. So I studied economics and political science. Naturally. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I might go to law school or something like that. And then, you know, senior year came and, you know, a lot of my classmates were starting to study for the ALSTAD and I just wasn't, I felt like I wanted to go out and kind of you know, do something, get a job. And what I started, so I was in the liberal arts college and companies didn't really recruit to liberal arts, but across the street from the liberal arts college was the business school. And a lot of companies come to the business school. Mm -hmm. And so I started just going to the business school events and sticking mm -hmm. around afterwards and, and chatting with uh, the people, the companies that were coming to talk about it. And so Intel had been one of those. And I kind of like, I don't want to say pushed, but I invited myself to a presentation that they were putting on. And I chatted with um, with the man who's there. And, and so went, obviously went through the the process and, you know, had, you know, was lucky enough to have that opportunity. I was exploring between that and the other opportunity was going to New York to work for Bloomingdale's, which would have been really fun and really exciting. And sometimes I wonder what my life would have been like if I had <laughs> that choice. But for some reason, I was drawn to this idea of going out to California. You know, I grew up in Michigan and had never been to California, knew nothing about California, knew nothing about tech either. But I think it was, it felt new and exciting. And like, you know, I was ready to start my kind of adult professional life. Why not like jump, jump into it and do something entirely new. And I felt like it was the time to do it in 1999. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. was not intentional I mean, at all. <laughs> the, the accidental technologist and yeah. And just just the fact that you were at that crossroads with your example, I could have gone to Bloomingdale's in New York and worked in, in retail and fashion and and on the East Coast in New York versus yeah. making the move to California and working for, you know, 
maybe a less like, you know, definitely not a fashion brand, you know, yeah, maybe not like less exciting, quote unquote, sexy. Like, why did I choose that when I was 22? I would have had a lot more fun if I had gone to New York, but I don't know. There was something, I just, there was something in my gut that just said that that was going to be a path for me. So sometimes you just have to, I think, listen to your gut. Yes. Well, another, so as you were telling that story, another just theme kind of popped out is just you know, you you went to the, even though you weren't in the business school, undergrad business school, you still went to the events, you still showed up, you went anyway, you weren't like, well, I'm not in the business school, so I better not go. But you went anyway, and you asserted yourself and you asked for an opportunity and and you expressed your interest, you know, with very little knowledge in the area. And I think, you know, as you're telling the story, you're probably just seems like, well, obviously, but I don't think that's always obvious to to anyone. And I think a lot of people, women, especially women early in their careers, sometimes struggle with, you know, the the infamous imposter syndrome. Yeah. Another time I, I noticed that you've done that. So that's clearly a sign of your character because you did this when you were working at Yahoo, it sounds like, with Mike and you expressed interest to move into product marketing. And so those are two areas where you could have easily talked yourself out of it because I don't have the experience yeah. or the knowledge or there's much, people much more qualified than me. Like, who am I? You know, those those lovely little, you know, negative yes. thoughts that, that can enter. Yeah. Yeah. So how, what do you tell yourself in these situations? And what is your self-talk when you go for these opportunities that may seem a little far reaching or a little like less obvious. Yeah. Like how, how do you, I mean, it's a good question. Yeah. It's a, f- a fair question. And I mean, I think we all have those voices and I still, I hear those voices every single day, but I think, you know, I think, I think there's probably a few things like, first of all, in all of these situations, well, not in all these situations, but like for the example, the case with Yahoo, you know, I had built and the other thing is I'm an introvert, right? So I'm not like a loud, I'm never the loudest person in the room, but I love to engage one-on-one with people. And so I think, you know, I do build relationships with people. And so, you know, in the case of Mike, for example, I had been working with him on another project and we had developed a strong relationship. And so I knew that there was like some mutual respect. And I think more than anything, like in your career, and I think like, you know, you think about it with other people that you work with, I think people appreciate curiosity, right? Like whenever, you know, even like when you're on a date, right? If someone is asking you questions about yourself, you appreciate that curiosity and most people respond to that. So I think, you know, it's the same thing when I was going, when I was at Intel and talking to, you know, these companies, it was, I just, I think showing that curiosity and asking questions, you don't have to, they don't have to be the smartest questions, but I think just like showing a genuine interest I think is is really important in terms of like the voices that could like, you know, get in your way. I mean, those are hard, right? And I think like that's an ongoing struggle that we, that I have and probably a lot of us continue to have. But I think like taking a step back and really trying to like look at yourself from an outsider's perspective and to like, you know, sometimes like before, you know, if you're interviewing for example, sometimes you got to hype yourself up and like go back and say, wait a second, I did all of these things. And they're actually really, they were really hard, right? But I was able to get through that. And I think just being able to just stay, you know, remind yourself of those things. You get so caught up in the details on every day basis, right? But being able to somehow like step, take a step back and look big picture and look at what, 
you've likely been able to achieve far more than you you probably thought was possible. And I think you just need to remind yourself about that every once in a while. Yes. Being your own hype woman. Yeah. 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 Because you're right. The thoughts, you know, really never go away. It's what we do about them and how we catch them in the moment and, and, and change them. And I, I've been doing a lot of work on my thoughts over the past couple of years. And I didn't realize, I don't think I had the awareness of really how I talked to myself until I learned some tools to kind of catch myself or catch myself when I know I'm going there or, and and what to do and how to switch them. Um, I mean, that's a podcast for a different yeah, day, right. but <laughs> you know, I think, let me know. I, I listen to that. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite mentors in this space is Corinne Crabtree, and she's just amazing with thought work. And I've learned so much from her. But I think, had I known in my younger self how to catch these thoughts, how to change them, how to course correct, and be my own hype woman, I I think I I could have done a lot more. And there's always coulda, woulda, shouldas, but I appreciate you sharing just your experience and in, in just curiosity and curiosity alone. Like that doesn't require like years and years of practice and like, yeah, yeah. you know, all this thought work and reading books and what meditation for 10 hours on a pillow. No, but it, I think, yes, joy, sharing a general curiosity about someone else or something else that's important to someone just right. goes so far. And yeah. in the, and, and in then, the dating then, world too. Yeah. And then in return, listening, right? I think in return, you have to, you have to really, I think that listening piece is just as important as the questions that you're asking, right? Like you look the person in the eye and you're engaged and you ask the follow-up questions. And I think, you know, it's, it's a simple, it's that simple conversation, but I think it goes a really long way when you're, you know, looking to make a transition or, you know, explore other areas. Yeah. I would say that just knowing you that that's one thing I think you're, you're great at is listening. And yeah. So, and so for you, it probably comes pretty natural, but I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm assuming, but I do agree. Like the, also like the asking questions and then also listening to the response is huge. Yeah. Yeah. People want to feel heard. Well, so switching gears just a little bit on the personal side throughout your career journey, you've also grown your family and you have a very, very fun family makeup. It's a little international and, you know, a lot of little personalities are now in your house. Tell us just about your, your family shift and maybe just, you know, kind of at what point in your career did that happen? And yeah. And then, and then just, we'll, we'll go into maybe some more questions after that, but maybe just ask a little bit. Yeah. So, so I am married to my husband, Dustin. He's Australian. We definitely met later in life. So I think we met when I was maybe 37, almost 38, and then got married a couple of years later. And then we just celebrated our fifth year anniversary. Congrats. Thank you. And yeah, since then we've done a lot. We adopted our senior rescue dog, Frankie, a 13 year old. We have you know, purchased first a, a ha- our home in San Francisco, and then we more recently moved to Mill Valley. But we also had two children. So I have three and a half year old Jack and almost one year old Ava. So yeah, definitely started our my family like later in life. And I'm still trying to figure out like how to balance that with a career. I think that it does, having a family 
does you obviously, you know, all of a sudden you have two jobs, right? You have the job that you do in the office or on your computer or Zoom or whatever during the day. And then you have this really important, in my opinion, probably more important job of, of raising these humans and, and also being, you know, a partner as well. And so I do think to a certain extent, it does help you prioritize a little bit. And I thought about that, you know, when I was on maternity leave with my, after having Jack, that was when I, I actually made one job change. I had, had been working at Yelp and during my maternity leave decided that it was time to move on because I think you do a lot of reflection then and you think about what's important. And at the time I was, you know, facing that I was going to, you know, very soon be away from, you know, I'd gone from being with Jack 24 seven for five months, which was wonderful. And all of a sudden I was looking ahead and knowing that I would be away from him, especially this was pre-COVID, right? So like literally going to the office five days a week, you know, eight, nine hours, however, however long. And, you know, if you're going to be away from your child for that long, you want to make sure that what you're doing is really important to you, right? So I think you do start looking at life in a different way. And it doesn't have to be because a child, right? There's other <clears throat> moments in your life that just, you know, make make you kind of self-reflect. And and that was when in that case I said, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm doing something that I is important enough and that I enjoy enough. And I need to make a, a change. So if I'm, I, I, for me, I knew that staying at home was not an option for, you know, different reasons and I would need to be working. And I wanted to just make sure that my time away from my son was really important and well spent. So I, I made that change. So I think that's, you know, the, probably the first time that my having a child like really helped to put things in perspective and prioritize, you know, and since then, and now having two, it's like, just, I mean, it's, there's so many things to do during the day for work and so many things to do outside of work that I think it just, it, it helps to put things in perspective. And I also just don't have time for some of the workplace politics and, you know, some of those other games that are played. It's just like, it's not what I want to do. And, you know, so you make different, you make choices as a result. So I think that it, it's definitely hard having children balancing that, but I think it also, it does give you some perspective and um, way to prioritize. Yes. And protect your energy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the other, because, and I think about that a lot too, because there are times when I'm, you know, like everyone super stressed at work, but when I turn off work. I don't want to bring that home. Even if home is just going into a different room these days, <laughs> you know, I don't want to bring that energy to the kids, right? Because that impacts them. So yeah, I think, I think that's such an, I think that's a challenge probably that we all have right now is that separation between work and life, especially when the physical separation may be much less than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I would love to know just what, when you did have your your kids and and you've shared you know how your own perspective has changed did you ever experience any like changes from your colleagues like in terms of being a mother and maybe like you know how how you were treated or maybe just you know i'm you know not a mother so i'm i'm oblivious to to a mother's experience um you know directly so yeah. so did you notice any shifts in just how you were viewed or I don't think so. I think that I, and I'm fortunate and I feel thankful for that. I think that one, I think that some of the, ch I mean, there are challenges though, right? Like I think before I had my son, 
I could easily take a six or seven o'clock call. It was no big deal, right? And when you're working with international team members and people in different time zones, you know, in my case, that was almost an expectation was that if not every night, at least a few nights a week, you were going to be available for some late calls because reality is like we have teammates all over the world. Mm -hmm. But suddenly I wasn't able to do that, right? And so for there were you know, there was a period when I was missing important meetings because those meetings were happening at times that I simply could not be on call, right? Or, or, I mean, I guess I, I could have made that choice, but I wasn't willing to make that choice. And so I think that was hard, especially when I first came back. But I think that I voiced, and I think other women began voicing, and not just women in this case, men, was that like, there has to be some sacred time for family, right? And that like, you know, maybe there's one night a week where you just have, you have to do it because again, you're, it's international these days. But I think, so I think that's the challenge is like, how do you, how do you make sure that you just, that you are in all of the meetings and available when you, and are in those meetings because decisions are being made, right? And Mm -hmm. You want to be a part of that and you don't want to miss out on that, but you have other obligations. So I think that's where just as a society, we just have to start being more conscious of that and respectful. And it's not just for people with families, right? It's like, you know, everybody has things that they need to do outside of work. So, so but I don't think that I have been treated differently or have missed out on anything because I'm child because I have children now, in some ways it's made me be able to connect deeper with some of my coworkers, right? Because as a, whether it's connecting with a father or a mother, you have that in common, right? So like, and especially now that we're all working from home, you see children pop into Zooms all the time, (laughs) right? And so there's something like mutually that you have in common. And so you can connect on in that that regard. So it hasn't been, it's been hard, but I, I don't think I've I've been treated differently. Okay, good. Well, it it sounds like you've worked for great organizations that where you've had the support with a life transition, such as having a mother and your availability is this and being able to communicate that and set your boundaries proactively and and having them respected. But, you know, I've I've observed definitely in other organizations, technology organizations where I I don't know if women have kind of the same, there's just an expectation and that's, it is what it is. That's, that's the expectation. You need to be available early mornings or or late evenings. And, you know, I've, I've spoken to other women in the workplace. I've been like, gosh, I have to be on this call because otherwise, you know, someone else could take credit for my work or I could ultimately get passed up for the promotion that I really want. And you said something just really interesting to me yesterday when we were talking was just, like you kind of, you know, about women choosing like what what acceleration path they want to be in for their career. And sometimes it's a faster acceleration versus sometimes it's like more like maintenance mode. Like I'm here, I'm engaged, I'm doing this and I have a life and littles that need me like 24 seven if they could, you know. Yeah. So would you be comfortable talking just a little bit about kind of the different paces in which you've looked at your career depending on the life stage that you've had? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as much as we would love to believe that you can do it all, like the reality is 
can't, right? And so I think there are times in your life when you may want to dial up or dial down your career, right? And I think that, you know, I'm fortunate to have a partner who we can kind of like have that conversation with, right? And so he has a pretty intense job, (laughs) Ollie knows, and works really long hours. And so, you know, we've decided that for the next couple of years, as as the kids are really young and they, you know, just need more that while I'm going to be as ambitious in my career as I can be, I'm going to select opportunities that are more accommodating to, you know, just some of the boundaries that you mentioned, Holly, and like being able to, you know, put a hard stop on my calendar at 4.45 so that I can go to pick up, you know, and do dinner and do bedtime and all of that and, you know, still work afterwards, right? So it's not by any means that I'm putting a break on my career at all, but I'm being intentional in, like I said, seeking out opportunities and companies where I can just, you know, not be full throttle ahead and still feel as though I'm challenged and being fulfilled and being recognized for my work. But I, I think that I think that's important for every person, again, regardless of whether it's children or just like where you are in your career, right? Like yeah. you may decide yeah. that, you know, separate from kids, but like that you have another hobby or a side hustle or whatever it is that you want to carve out time for. And so as a result, you're going to make certain choices. And so I think that, I think that's just important, you know, for you to kind of take a step back and say, okay, for the, you know, I want to be here in five years, but right now these are my priorities. So how do, what kind of decisions do I need to make for the next couple of years so that I can protect my priorities and be true to them, but that I can still be on the path to getting to where I want to be for five years, right? And and then, you know, hopefully getting support from other, whether it's friends or family or your partners to help to help do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of what you're saying is it it's not black and white. It doesn't have to be either or. It can be an and, and it can be sometimes a little bit more black, a little bit more white, but yeah. like, you know, figuring out what works for you and and just finding those opportunities that support what you're looking for and what kind of kind of just mod, work work model that you're looking for regardless and yeah, and yet, yeah, yeah I mean I'll just like as an example I guess as a more concrete example you know I just I had my second child last November and so I was very fortunate that in the two years prior so after I joined Afterpay and I had just had my first child. And those next two years, you know, I was building a product marketing team from the ground up and hiring, you know, the entire team and establishing the function and, you know, advocating and building our internal brand and doing all those things that you have to do for a new team. And so that was really time consuming. I put in a lot of hours and was able to make it work with having Jack and we were fortunate to have a nanny and and so forth. But then, but luckily I had hired a really, really strong team who I could increasingly delegate to. Um, So after I had Ava and I came back, you know, I was still doing, you know, I don't want to say I was taking a step back necessarily, but I was able to lean on people on the team and delegate. And that was an opportunity for them also to step 
and to have more visibil- visibility within the organization and just take on a stronger role. But it allowed, it allowed me to protect my time a little bit more easily as well. So, so it was, you know, part of that was intentional. Part of it was not intentional, right? But I was able to, like I said, in those first couple of years, hire that team so that it enabled me to, when I came back from maternity the second time, just dial it down just a tad, just a tad Mm -hmm. so that it was more, I could still respect those really firm boundaries that became even more important once I had a second child. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm curious about just a couple of things. So you've stayed, you've worked in tech for a long time. What makes you stay? Yeah, I mean, I think, I I mean, so first of all, like the way that we define tech is so different now than, yeah. than when the Intel days. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it was, that's like hardcore tech really, you yeah. know, and now like with the rise of e-commerce and direct-to-consumer, it's like, is retail, you know, is a retail brand tech or is it retail, right? Like right. They're, they're, those lines are increasingly blurred. And so what that, I think what that means is that there's just so much opportunity within tech, right? Like you, I've, ex, I've worked within, t- you know, I've always worked in tech, but I've worked in the beauty space. I've worked in the real estate space. I've worked in the restaurant space. I'm working in payments now. So there, there's so much variety. It's constantly changing. The trends that are relevant are constantly changing. So I think, I think it's exciting. I think it's, again, fosters that curiosity and just like intellectual interest as well. You know, I I do think that a lot of like the workplace challenges tech does tend to be on, while there are a lot of systematic, like a lot of core challenges that technology still needs to address in terms of making it open to women and families and all of, you know, other underrepresented groups. I, I do feel like tech, the tech culture is does tend to be one of the f- earlier industries to make changes to be more accommodating to those considerations, right? So like just with flexibility of work and working from home and being able to turn off and then, you know, turn back on after the kids go off, like go to bed. I, I do feel like, you know, tech is fairly accommodating for that and just a little faster to embrace some of those changes in other industries. So, you know, I think it both from a career fulfillment perspective, as well as from like a personal perspective, I feel like it's fit me well. And to be honest, now I've been doing it for so long. I can't even imagine what else I would do. Doing anything else. Yeah. And I mean, I live in the Bay Area. So it's kind of what we're all about here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in and you said something really interesting just about is our retail companies, retail, retail companies now or tech companies. And I, I think like you could kind of look at that across many industries, yeah, right? Totally. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's crazy how like technology has just become such a forefront for banking, for, right. it, you know, probably insurance. I don't know anything about insurance, but, yeah. you know, consumer goods, consumer goods and services. Everything. Um, There's tech aspects too. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just feels like the opportunities are are endless. You know, if your curiosity gets the best of you in a couple of years and you want to go try something else, I know Catherine's going to be the first to go have a conversation and express her curiosity with, you know, some someone that knows a lot about what she's interested in. But 
you know, we were actually having this conversation at my client yesterday about this very thing. And I'm right now consulting at a retailer and we were talking about how merchandising organizations within retailers have traditionally called a lot of the shots within retail companies because, you know, the merchants are the merchants. They're the face of the brand and they have the products and they, they decide on the assortments and how the conversation is starting to shift. And I'm sure at other companies, it, it has shifted greatly. But at our company, it's even starting to shift toward like technology conversations and it not even being 100% merchant driven anymore. But like, how does technology incorporate into this? And is having the tech teams more have a more prominent seat at the table than they might have not have had like 10 years ago. Um, they're, they're, everything is just becoming so intertwined within like a traditional business and the technology that supports it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, so. it's dry, it drives everything now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm with you on just like the endless opportunities and, and ever evolving space that, that keeps me interested as well. Well, just when you, when we think about women in particular, what do you see the future for women in technology? Where do you see, you know, obviously statistically, there's just, there are just less women in in the traditional technology roles, maybe the more traditional technology roles, but where do you see the future going for women? Do you think that paths are starting to be paved? to make it more of a, like a welcoming space or for maybe non-traditional te- technologists yeah. or women yeah. that are interested? Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, I think, I mean, just in the time that I've been in tech, there's a lot more women in the room, that, you know, now than there was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still not as many women decision makers and, you know, exec level women leaders as, you know, I hope to see. but I mean, it's it's trending in that direction, right? I think all of these things take a long time, but, you know, I mean, maybe I'm optimistic, but I do think that there's, you know, a lot of focus on trying to have more inclusive cultures and, you know, more blind hiring practices. Mm -hmm. I think compensation is still probably an area where we're still lagging quite a bit. And I think this is probably where women need to help other women and, you know, we all need to encourage each other to like have some of those tough conversations and make the asks and the demands and, you know, be our inter- our own hype person, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's in to our internal voices or to, you know, externally and make sure that we're hyping up ourselves. So, but I mean, I, I think, you know, I think we're headed in the right direction and, but I, I think it's most important that women support other women, right? So that, you know, it's this, you're in a meeting where you feel like one woman's voice is not being heard. I think we all owe it to our fellow women to help her voice be heard, right? And to, you know, just incur, you know, and have that come, you know, if someone expresses curiosity about a role that you are in or a company that you're in, be open to having that conversation, right? And try to welcome them in. And when you see behavior that isn't okay or isn't respectful or the right kind of behavior to like help help that woman who's experienced it have a have a voice and to you know speak up and say it's not okay right it's hard it's hard to it's hard for one person on her own to have to say you know that's not okay but if she knows that she has the support of other women you know that can go a long way so so yeah so i'm optimistic but i think it's all up to us too right as much as yeah. we want to change from leaders and from 
men and others to be more inclusive. It's also up to women to help each other out and be supportive. Absolutely. Yes. And, and I think you said a, a couple of really strong points was, you know, paving the way for women to be decision makers and leaders within the company. So creating paths and being transparent about salaries and bringing more transparency on what is needed to happen to get to that level that that a woman wants to get to. I saw, I don't know if you saw this article today by from the New York Times, but New York jobs, most New York jobs are now going to start posting salaries online. Oh, interesting. For job openings. Yeah. Great. That's good. I just saw yeah. that like, I don't know, maybe an hour ago. So I, I thought, well, that's interesting. And I think it's to help even the playing field for, for all when it comes to applying for positions. So you know where you're at. And then the other point you made was just, you know, helping each other out and being the voice, helping be a voice for, for one woman, because, you know, we've talked about this as their strength in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think the third point that's so near and dear to me and, and, you know, with you having a, a daughter and I have two young nieces is starting girls young in terms of getting them excited and curious about STEM. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and problem solving and, you know, figuring out different ways to assert themselves and, and to be, pow- you know, powerful within their own right and, and confident and, you know, I don't know, just, yeah, just confident and assertive and knowing their, their power. I, I think it starts so young. And so I just think there's such an opportunity there to, to, for, for young girls to, to even get started in the STEM area and, just growing their confidence at a young age. I'm kind of repeating myself a little, but I almost sometimes feel that it's it's almost too late to be like, we need more women in tech when I think it starts at a younger age in school. Yeah, yeah, I'm no, I'm interested. Yeah, Girls yeah. Interested. yeah, absolutely. Like encouraging. Yeah, I mean, we think about that when we're buying toys for Ava. It's like mm-hmm. all, all the different things that can just like, you know, encourage different thinking patterns even yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, my niece is still, well, she's kind of growing out of it, but she still was obsessed with Disney princesses as well. So, you know, there's something inherent. Yeah. There's, you know, but, but Moana's great. I, I, I support Moana. Yeah. She, she's, she's a very great role model for little girls. Well, in my opinion. Well, with that said, Catherine, is there anything else that you want to share today? Any Anything that we didn't talk about that you want to mention or last parting words? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, I know this has been really fun. And yeah, I mean, I just, I, yeah, I think ultimately, yeah, if I could just encourage people to, you know, support their fellow, fellow women um, and encourage more women to think about tech, strengthen numbers, be curious, ask questions, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see improvements over time. Yes. I love it. You summarized that so well. I'm just taking actually some notes for myself when I think about just like the show notes and, and, and what, what the theme of this discussion is today. So thank you for being here. Where can people find you if they want to ask you any follow-up questions, learn more about what you do or um, LinkedIn, Catherine Keller. So that's probably the, the easiest way. Okay. Well, Catherine Keller, thank you for being here today. It's been an honor and I truly appreciate your time. And I hope everyone today was able to take away some really valuable pieces of of information to help you in, in your careers and in navigating the the technology works work culture and 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 career paths. So 
Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks, Holly. Are you curious if your business idea will actually work? Don't worry. I've got you. Your best business idea starts here at hollynoll.com slash free. Go to the link and download my free business action guide. In this guide, you'll map your skills and expertise to build a profitable business idea. You'll solidify an irresistible offer that turns contacts into clients. And you'll implement my step-by-step framework to quickly land your very first client. Thank you for joining me this week on the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and you chose to be here with me. And for that, I am truly grateful to you. For more information on today's episode and this podcast, visit hollynoll.com slash podcast, where you can find links discussed in the shows and connect directly with my guests. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you enjoyed today's show, share your rating on iTunes. Or if you'd rather tell a friend about the show, that would mean the world. And remember, check out my free business action guide at hollynoll.com slash free. Or for more business building tools, visit the consultant code on Instagram. Until next time, keep taking action to build your business.